0: hello and welcome to the latest from <laughs> uh, from our standard so i just read the comments um my name is joe Skid. i am joined by james kearney we are five minutes late uh because on this occasion james was late to the party so do you want to apologize to our listeners james
1: yep very sorry everyone i thought it was quarter to, didn't even realize so no, there we go, there we
0: go. it's fine it's i mean you um you have spent most of the videos that we've done waiting for me, so you're allowed you're, you're well one and oh, eh, one every now and then. Uh, I've just uh, just reading one of the comments on a scale of one to ten, how angry will James be if Scott Fraser doesn't sign?
1: Yeah, I think somebody else in the comments said it. Graham said it. Eleven. Yeah, yep. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be very upset. Um, we. yeah. because I was released. I was release like, here's what hearts could have Mist. got. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We if we we're we here. We'll, we'll talk a wee bit about Fraser later on in the show, but we're here mainly to talk about the Aberdeen game from the weekend. Hartford of won two now at Tink Castle on Saturday. That means that Stephen Nessim's side are third in league, ten points ahead of fourth place Kilmarnock, Hibs and Aberdeen are much further behind, uh, which is uh, great. Uh, viewing off the league table when you've seen it on Saturday evening. We'll talk about that game just now, and then we'll go on to talk about Danda and a couple other transfer-related bits of business that uh, have happened today. So, starting off with the Hearts-Aberdeen game, you have watched it back. There's caught up an excellent piece on the website this afternoon, just breaking down the fact that it was for the second time in a row uh an elite game and for the third game at time castle largely kind of like a game of two halves
1: yeah i think i think that's fair to say i think that yeah you look back at the last three games now at home and the common theme has always been hearts have started poorly arguably been in the wrong setup to begin with i think perhaps although that you know that's easy to say in hindsight mm. but then to naismith and the coaching team's credit on every occasion as well, I think the team's responded really well to that. Um, obviously, the game against Aberdeen is a bit different in that you know, not only did the Hearts not concede, but they weren't two goals down at halftime, which made a yeah. nice change. Um, although, let's be honest, it could have easily been one now. Uh, I, I think that goal was right to get chopped off, but obviously it's, there's not much in it and that could easily go in. You know, a referee might look at that and that goes in. Uh, and yeah, Hearts weren't good to begin with. They weren't good at all. Um, you touched on it as well the, um, when you looked at the, the data from the, from the match, but... First 30, 35 minutes or so, Aberdeen are comfortable with a better team. And there were a whole host of reasons because of that. But the main the main thing I I kind of thought looking back at the game and watching it again was the fact that their pressing from the front was really good. They were basically going man for man. And like like yeah. we've talked about before with the back four. Um, you know, opposition teams can do that to you. Whereas if you've got the back three. It's harder. It's a lot harder because you've also yeah. got the number six and the two wing-backs involved there, yeah. so like, there's just more options. So I think that was a big problem in that Hearts just couldn't really get build out and get going to begin with. It took them a wee while to figure out how to get around that.
0: Yeah, I,
1: I, we were... Well, I was certainly bemo-
0: it, bemoaning it on Saturday. I was really fris- frustrated, and uh, I've, I'm sure I turned around to you at one point and just going, we should have started with the back three. I told you we should have started with the back three. That's why we should have started with the back three. Because we both we were both convinced that Harse would stick with the back three and then maybe change uh, if if required. And then it was after about it must have been it must have been after about fifteen minutes, I think, Nate turned around to the bench and got Vargas to warm up and mm. uh, he was joined by a few others, but it was Vargas who was doing the most amount of kind of uh warming up and it looked like he was like he he there's every chance he could come on at any point.
1: And I'm just on that, I think crucially he had. He was only wearing shorts, whereas the others were wearing trackies or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's something about the attire that made him stick out like a sore thumb. I'm sure it was that.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely, it was. He was. He was only one wearing. He was only one wearing shorts, and he just. He just looked like he was primed to primed to come on. So I asked about. I asked I, about after the, the game, and he just. Um, he did say he wasn't very happy with what he was seeing, but if he if he needed to make a change, he would have done so in the first half. And then when you look at the the. We'll obviously come on to that more uh, detail. We were both expecting changes to be made at halftime. I was, yeah. I, I, I was, I thought Newenhoff would would stay in. I thought he was. You look at the two the two sides of the mid uh, the, the midfield. So it was obviously it was, um, it was a midfield midfield free, but it was Benny and Carl uh, Newenhoff were they were they, they didn't look like a partnership in midfield. They were uh, there was large gaps. They were they kind of didn't. When Aberdeen won the ball, there was just there was large gaps for them to expose, and like if Benny came out across one point, Callum Unoh would have been the other end of the pitch, and kind of vice versa. And I thought Benny got a lot of stick. Listening, speaking, speaking to mates, listening to guys at the game, seeing on uh, social media, but I felt he was doing. He was kind of still trying to contribute. At least he was getting on the ball. He was. uh, It might not been coming off. He did win the ball back a few times. Don't think. any other player on the pitch won more tackles than, than Benny but Neuenhoff I just thought he just um, kind of just existed on the pitch without actually doing much he got much better after the, the the first half but I did allow the struggles in midfield I thought allowed Aberdeen to really take hold I thought Shinny for example the first, first 30 minutes he was mm-hmm. dominant in that uh, uh, in the game in and out of possession and then that's kind of Naysom said they were in terms of the fight Within the game, Aberdeen were on top, and Shinny's presence and uh, Connor Baden's presence, I thought they they helped Aberdeen get a foothold and control the game higher up the pitch. But crucially, they didn't take advantage of it and it allowed Hearts to make this um, uh, sufficient changes to then dominate.
1: No, I think that's right because when you look at it, like Aberdeen a lot of the time they had the Bond really promising positions, kind of getting into the final third. Maybe they're basically man for man with Hearts' back line. You kind of think, all right, well, you know, one guy beats one guy and all of a sudden you're, you're clean through on goal. But it didn't really happen like that. There weren't that many clear-cut chances for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're right, I don't think they made the most of the positions they got into, but they did get into really good positions a lot, which has to be a concern. Um, I think you're right about Benny and um, Noonhof as well, in that generally what would happen if Aberdeen were pressing it, were playing out from the back, they'd get a pass it around the back line, wait for Grant and Shanklin to go up and start pressing but then they'd also wait until a third player came up, it was normally Nuenhoff or Beningami and at that point they just lob it into midfield where you've got mm-hmm. then just one midfielder left to try and cover a huge area of the park, it's normally got yep. two, three sometimes four Aberdeen players in there so no, there's definitely a ploy to basically just kind of eliminate Hearts' midfield and it did work for a long time. It, 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 as the game wore on, particularly in the second half, we saw Hearts getting wise to it. Where even, there were even times where when a long ball would come forward, they wouldn't even challenge for the initial ball. And instead, you've got three, four, five Hearts players nearby who are just focusing on the second ball. Just wait, only worry about that, because that was something, particularly during that first half, where Aberdeen were winning all of them, absolutely yeah. all of them. There was a the like, guy Kenny, like, that... was just everywhere. Yeah. He was like, just winning them constantly. And there were a couple of points where Beningame was really guilty, I think, as well, of pressing really high at the park getting caught out and then to be fair one of them he recovered and been an absolutely superb tackle. Brilliant, yeah, I mean, yeah. again you could say he's probably should should probably play that pass a wee bit earlier he's probably like he shouldn't be getting caught like that even still brilliant tackle but even just a few minutes before that again there was a thing where he, again he charged up the park got caught out by shinny again it was shinny drives up the wing plays it infield to um leighton clarkson again who's just in acres of space right in the middle of the park nobody within 20 yards of him so, I think there were, there were huge gaps in the hearts midfield that Aberdeen did well to kind of fashion. But I think as the game wore on, hearts became more and more wise to it. And particularly after hearts got that goal, got ahead, all of a sudden the whole dynamic of the game flips. All of a sudden it's Aberdeen who have to try and seize the impetus, try and seize the initiative. And at that point, hearts never really looked back, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think you made a good good point about the second balls because the first half hour there was a boy. I'm just trying to work out the sections in the main stand. I think it was section S, the one beside um, beside the media uh, where we sat in the media um, media section. He must have said second balls about a dozen times within the first uh, the, the first half hour, and he was he was right. It was just it was it was really frustrating to watch. But I think that was
1: Willie Miller. He was sitting next to me on the BBC. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: He was um, he when when Mioski scored that goal. He was loud. Oh he, yeah, he, he enjoyed that. He very much enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, it, you, a couple of things that you, you touched on how the game progressed. I talked about it being a game of two halves. You were actually correct in your your piece on the site to say it was actually kind of a game of three thirds.
1: Because yeah, just about was, aye. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was like the first thirty 35 minutes. It was very much all Aberdeen Hearts came in back into it towards the end of the the half. It was quite even. Even start second half, and the, the game changing moment was there was apparently that um, for yeah. handball and Nicky Devlin, which George Grant stepped up uh, stepped up and scored. But I think you saw the real difference between Hearts and Aberdeen, and you could even see Naismith and Robson. I think Naismith is more switched on tactically, is more flexible. They, the hearts themselves are more flexible. They can they can flip between different uh, systems, different styles, and that I think we've seen that over the last couple of months, just where things have had to change, and he's and he's done it. Whereas you just look at Aberdeen, I think they are largely one dimensional because you actually look at it, they had they had more shots and hearts, but they had one shot on target the whole game and weinhart's got in front i never really thought that aberdeen no matter what they did were going to get back into
1: it no exactly it's that thing again where they were getting into good positions like you know they getting the final third they've got bodies forward and then it would just be a, a poor a poor cross in the box or a bad pass or kingsley just intercepting it because he did that a lot as well mm-hmm. <laughs> again particularly watching it back again you know it's like he's just again fantastic performance from so yeah i think that aberdeen were quite one-dimensional I do think that they did struggle, even during, even when they were on top, they still struggled to fashion opportunities. And part of that's down to Kent and Kingsley both, yeah, King, absolutely, brilliantly. They both had excellent games. Part of it as well is just maybe a wee bit lack of nous nice on their part, I think, um, on Aberdeen's part. So you're right. I mean, so yeah, Aberdeen as soon as Hearts took the lead, at that point you could just see the, around the players like everyone's just looked a lot more calm. And crucially, so they started getting just. Doing the right things when they were on the ball because again there are a couple of points and I kind of touched on this in my analysis piece where in the first half um Grant kind of shifts the ball it has the ball shifts it out to the right hand side the first time it's Oda Oda drives forward and he's got to play it back to Grant for the cutback and then Grant can just kind of sweep it in he doesn't he hits a shot instead and it deflects and then again a few minutes later a similar position this time Lembekisa gets the ball out right he tries to slide it in towards it tries to slide through Oda but Oda's actually dragging the marker basically to like to leave Shanklin free at the, at the near post if it's just a quick in- inside ball Shanklin can just prod it in so there were a few moments like that going forward where it was like uh, you know hearts were almost getting there that's, just, yeah. not, just that last final ball was lacking which again that's something we've seen a few times but yeah certainly towards the end of the first half those little moments started creeping in and I've got to say as well for when you look back at all the chances the hearts created during the game or all the decent all the best chances the hearts made there's one guy who's involved in every single one of them, and it's George Grant. Um, I thought like, I, I thought on the day thought he, he played well. Watching the back, he was excellent. It was really, really great. And he was the that really crucial player that Park's fans have been crying out, crying out for a lot of times this season of just linking the midfield and the attack, getting the ball, carrying it, shifting it on, getting driving forward. He was, the, it, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. After, uh, yesterday I thought it was one of his best performances uh, this season for sure.
0: Would you would say would you say that as a whole, or would you say mainly the second half? Because like Graham says in the comments, until he, until the goal, I thought Grant was really quiet. Uh, as was Shanklin after Pen, they got they both got both got better. And then in the first, I would half, say
1: first half as well. Actually, to be honest, okay. like, again, the, I think the the chances that the Hearts did create or almost created in the first half. Like the best passages of play, again, Grant was pulling the strings right at the heart of them. Um, you know, I thought he, he took the ball in well. Um, you know, when to run, when to release it, went how to draw the man towards him, and more often than not, picked the right pass as well. So mm. that, I thought I thought he was excellent. Um, again, on the day, I thought he was all right. Watching it back again, you know, so, yeah, even in the first half, just being really composed on the ball and just that absolutely vital link in between the midfield and attack. That mm. um, well, he might have some competition for it soon, but we'll get yeah. to that.
0: Uh, Grant Grant's a really interesting one, <coughs> he is I think everyone can see that there's there's talent there, but he seems to be up until now, and hopefully this, this is it changing, up until now he seems to be with Hearts, he seems to be the nearly man it's like just when you think he's going to have a big impact, something happens like early on in his career he got sent off for the dive in Zurich and Hearts went out in Europe, he'd get sent off later on that season and he would be in and out of the team. He would play different roles. Now, under Naismith, he largely plays the same role It's either a ten or an eight. But there's very there's a lot of similarities to how it's how they play, uh, no matter kind of what uh, what what role he's got under Naismith. And then it got to Celtic Park where he was brilliant, as as loads of uh, individuals were uh, individuals were. But then he was. Uh, he had to go off with an injury, then missed a couple of games. So it kind of was—it's kind of just been stop-start his career. So, but I do think under with over the last last couple of months, we're starting to see uh, the George Grant on a consistent basis that Hearts fans hope they would be getting when he first signed in uh, the summer of twenty twenty-two.
1: And and Joe, you know, a part of it as well is the fact that you know he has been get, he has been getting a consistent run of games recently because obviously Larry's back to Rangers, mm-hmm. I there's no Scott Fraser yet. There's no Jan Danda here. Like, he's the only real contender to play in that spot. I mean, we were both shocked when he was dropped for the was it Dundee game. He, he, he came on at half time. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. We both couldn't believe it because, again, you look at it and go, he's the only player of that type in the squad at the moment. Yep. Surely he's got to start. And again, I think that I, I, even the Dundee game, I thought he, he was okay, fairly quiet to be honest. Didn't, um, didn't do much wrong. Didn't really stand out particularly either to me. But Certainly, um, on Saturday there, I thought his Hearts' best player, possibly you know, even possibly ahead of like the likes of or Kent. Um, I thought the three of them were excellent, and again, it's coming at a point when Hearts do need to rely on them. Certainly, for the, certainly for the they have they've had to do it for the last few games. They're going to they might well have to do it for the next week, the next couple of games as well. We don't know, and but even but with that kind of responsibility, he's clearly relished it because. I think he's putting in really good performances, and like I say, I think that arguably Saturday there was might even been his best. I thought it was brilliant,
0: and he capped off with a wonderful, wonderful penalty, to having taken over from from Shankland, who then pushed him out of the way to score the second goal. I mean, it's just there's there's nothing really much else to say about Shankland. Yeah, he, he had a few nice touches, wasn't he? Wasn't his best game, but then he just does does that and. I know this is like putting my, my nerdy specs on, but I was looking at it and I think this is this is going to be a piece that we'll probably run at some point this week and just looking at how good Shankland is at taking chances with a very, very low value, kind of expected goals value and turning them into chances which, um, once he hits them, are more than likely to end up in the back of the net and it's just his ability to score so many different goals from so many different angles and so many different areas. Even like Saturday, where he just, like, um, you just like, you just like, you think you've seen every single goal he's he scored and then he comes up with a different one.
1: But, but then even that one was, it was quite similar to, was it St Mirren? Uh, Tynecastle? It was quite a similar one, was it? So, so that
0: it, was more, he, so that was kind of like an
1: angled one in the top it's slightly similar sort of technique though right i mean i might be getting like i might be getting myself mixed up here but i mean i i mean yeah what can you say at this point it is wonderful um i mean at that point just on him kind of shoving grant out of the way does that count as an assist for george grant then are we, we count it. i that? think
0: so that that was that was a chat after in there i'd say as grant walked away from his media duties that he was going to be uh going to be claiming claiming an assist <laughs> on uh, a
1: plate on a plate oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Individually, I don't think there is much else, to add because like Kent, you, you mentioned them. Kent and Kingsley have written about them a couple. Of, we've written about them a couple of times in the last few days. They were, they were, they were sensational. Yeah, um, really nice balance. Uh, really nice balance to them, and I thought they, they over the piece were two of the most consistent, best players that Hearts had. I suppose the two questions I've really got left for kind of looking at this game is would you what's your what's your preference the back three or back four having having seen bits and bobs from the last last few games where we've played different formations
1: uh well so the back four i get to see a lot more goals (laughs) for me i've not got any skin in the game that's grand yeah that's brilliant i think though the back three i i i think for most games it's how hearts should be starting at the moment I think it just provides such a strong platform that gets them to get, kind of get control of the game really gain a foothold in it and, and okay, yeah I, I absolutely, the more work has to be done in the final third, it definitely does but I just think it's a good jumping off point and end like we saw against Dundee, like we saw against County as well I think um, if, you, if you're down at the break, you need to change things up you can still do that, you know, it's not yeah. the end of the world so um, and to be fair, even with the players that you Tend to have in, a, in the three five two, you could probably just about get away with changing the shaper and without actually having to sub anyone. Like, yeah. You know, it's awkward into midfield, etc. So, um, yeah, no, I think I, I think that should. I, I do prefer the back three. I think it's better for Hearts' chances of winning games, even if it isn't quite as as much fun.
0: And kind of just touching on that ever so slightly, what. It, someone asked I'll, I'll bring up the question someone asked about um it might have been It might have been graham just saying it's for sharing how it's frustrating how, uh, how slow we start games and it takes hmm. the second half for us to respond it's i think it's, it's, a, it's a it's a hard one to ask it, i sorry it's a hard question to answer in terms of why that happens i don't know if it's um a, a mentality thing i don't i, I don't know but the I do know that of peaches patience within his team. I just they don't he gets them, so they don't panic. They just keep doing the same things, and then if they stick do stick to the plan, it'll come good in the end.
1: No, I think so, and um, I think as well. that, uh, hang on, sorry, what's the question? Sorry, it's right at the top. Right at the top. There you go. Uh, thanks. Um yeah, so I think that the the main the main thing though is like the fact that Naismith is making changes at the hearts are tending to finish games stronger, which is mm-hmm. which is presumably the, I know it's not one or the other situation, but you'd much rather start you start games poorly and finish games strongly than the other way around. You know, because otherwise you're not gonna win much at all. So again, yeah. I think that yeah, it's definitely a concern that hearts do tend to start slowly, so like, particularly at home as well, you know, like that is a trend. I don't think, you know, no one could deny that. Yeah, it needs needs to be better. But at the same time, if I was a Harts I'd I'd be very encouraged by the fact that Nane Smith has now got a good track record of quite a few games this season where Hearts have not been doing very well. He's noticed what's wrong. He's made some changes and then Hearts have won often as as a direct result of those changes. So again, I, I look at that and I see that more as a sign of encouragement. Rather than something to be overly concerned about, my
0: uh, with, with my uh, Hearts fan hat on, which is very uh, rarely gets taken off, um, I would I I would like I like that control away from home. I think it's mm. kind of good to start games and you ease yourself in. Whereas at heart, at, whereas at home, I'd probably like the team to play maybe a bit more chaotic from the start and just be more direct, be more aggressive and play quicker. Just uh, increase the tempo, and if that means. Kind of just turning opposition and playing a few long balls in behind, and then just getting that foothold and foundation, get the fans on board straight away, uh, playing higher up the pitch, and then going into kind of control mode. I think that would, I think that's a potential way around it. With uh, kind of looking at it in very very basic terms, and I suppose moving on to the final, the like the the last question I was going to ask about this game, this result, how far away from, are Hearts from securing
1: third place? I mean, right now it doesn't seem too far away. But I mean, <clears throat> realistically, it's still a while, you know, and I'm kind of a believer in the maths of it all, you know, so like post split at this stage, um, I think that you, you know, because you, you never know what can happen. The wheels can come flying off, as Hearts fans know only too well. You know, you, you, there can be dramatic downturns in form, when all of a sudden your healthy, really can evaporate over the space of a really bad month. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't think, you know, Fans can start, you know, renewing their passports quite yet, or you know, start looking up booking book, book, book the time off in the holidays for um, the fixtures for next season. But there, you have to say it's, a, it's a, the Hearts are in an excellent position. It's certainly theirs to lose. I mean, there's very little, I, I think, at this stage that I mean, it, it would take Hearts. Hearts would have to chuck it away at this point. You know, even if. Come on, Even if Aberdeen, even if Hibbs all perform better than expected between now and the end of the season, that's still not enough. Unless Hearts really drop the ball, which they don't look like they're going to do. But no, no. I think I think the,
0: yeah, compared. I think this squad compared to last uh, twelve months ago is in a better position. Just, uh, just the the dynamics at play within within the squad on the pitch. Who do you think the very quick? Who do you think the biggest challengers are at the moment? If you're to look look over the shoulder and you go, oh, who's um, you need to keep an eye on? Name who out of the let's say you so you got Kelly, Saint Mirren, hibbs Dundee, and Down to Aberdeen.
1: Well, oh, it's got to be Kelly. Like it's not, it's not even close. Like they're like they they can get big results against teams. They, um, you know, like so Celtic, they've beaten Celtic twice this season. Um, They've also got that excellent home record. They've got Daniel Armstrong, who's one of the most creative players in the league they got a very experienced manager, and Derek who knows exactly what he's doing, been in this situation plenty of times. And right now, Hibs and Aberdeen aren't particularly good either. So, yeah, it's got to be Kelly. It's got to be.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Right, we'll get to some of the, the transfer news and bring in some of the comments from uh, the comment section. And I'll go to, we'll start with Jan Dander. Tarts yeah. have. S- starts Hearts have agreed a uh, pre-contract with Danda, so he will be coming in the summer. The club are still trying to bring him in in January. However, Ross County are going to be determined to keep him. We've we've yeah. spoken about it, I think on the show before comparing Danda uh, and Shankland. He's a big player for them. They want their eleventh in the league. They want to avoid the Premiership relegation playoff. Uh, have after their experience last last season, so he'll be key to that and. To bring them in, I think it's a decent six-figure fee to, to to do so. So, I think the the way you look at it is, Hearts are not desperate for them. Like you said, George Grant's there, and the team have got a very comfortable position in the uh, in the league just now. So, it's not a it's it's not as if Hearts are desperately need to bring Danden to uh, to transform or change um, change the dynamics or change the um, if it's like a poor run of form, you well, we've both watched a fair bit of fun. You did a piece uh, looking at what he would bring, um, bring to the Hearts team. Jordan Beaton asked, Danda next, Paul Hartley, similar stature, takes free kicks. James, what can you tell me about Danda? Because we've, we've seen his we've seen his free kick prowess at Tynecastle. He's dead, but he's uh, from Dead Balls. He's very, very good. You see him fitting in quite seamlessly to the to ever, how, however, Hearts play
1: i think so yeah particularly i mean obviously it depends on the system the hearts are going for but if it's within the three five two that we tend to see i think yeah he's a he slots in pretty naturally there um he's very good from set of pieces yes but to be honest it's more, his open, it's more what he does in open play that i think that really catches the eye you know um he's very creative he's got a great eye for a pass Um i think i think he came through as, as swansea city at uh, their yeah. academy, I think, back when the, back when they were a Premier League club, I think, as well. So, um, I think that, yeah, he's, he's clearly a talented player. He's one of those ones you're not quite sure how he's ended up at County in the nicest possible way. Um, you know, I think he's, he's really technical and, importantly as well, he's got a lot of experience in the league. You know, he's been playing here for the last 18 months. He's excelled in that time. Um, you look at things like his goals and assists in the first season, they were excellent. This season, not so great. Then you look at his underlying numbers and you kind of realise that actually it's maybe because, you know, Jordan White maybe isn't the most you know, lethal finisher in the league, you know, things like that. I think you look at his underlying stats, like expected assists and all that, uh, progressive passes, deep progressions. He, you know, he ranks really highly in those compared to other uh, players in the league. So, yeah, I think he's he's definitely a player that makes a lot of sense for Hearts to sign. Um, like you say, a Bosman makes the most sense, particularly a Scott Fraser if Hearts can get that Scott Fraser deal over the line, if the Fraser deal falls through, for instance, and then Hearts really need, uh, I think they probably do. You know, attack at that point. Maybe they do have to push through the, the the January move for Danda, but I don't think there's any particular rush. And the other thing as well, of course, is that kind of similar to Hearts with County uh, with Shankland, County aren't in, aren't in a position where they have to sell. You know, they've got Roy McGregor bankrolling them. You know, they don't need the money. They could, they'll be fine anyway. You know, so it's that way of going right it's actually quite it might take a fairly sizable fee in the end like i, I don't know i've seen figures banded about i've no idea about any of them i'll be honest but it's one of those things like he's a key player for ross county their league status means more to them than a couple hundred grand or whatever it is and it might be difficult to get him in january but having said that, if the Fraser deal falls through, then it might have to happen. Who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's that's a big thing the Fraser. There's there's not really um, the last time I was aware. There's not really any update on that. Charlton are still being Charlene. Uh Fraser it seems is still in Scotland. He's still pushing for a move. uh still wants to come to still wants to come to Hearts. Naismith still wants them at Hearts. It was interesting that Naismith spoke about him as a long term uh, possibility. And that they looked at to sign him on signing him in the summer as well, so he's been on hart's radar for for a while, and' like callum asks, do you reckon it's dander or Fraser? or do you think happy to be get uh, both this window I think maybe not both this window I think um if fraser came in there's th- that takes even less pressure off or um of, of bringing Danda in, mm-hmm. but I think longer term then yeah it seems like hearts be happy to have both of them within within the squad they if you look at it, the kind of replacing Alex Lowry and it gives uh, obviously Alex Lowry left, but also just gives you more options within different formations to uh, to play different players. And Fraser, I think, and Danda, I think danda's probably more more someone you want to play as a ten. You want to f- want him further up the pitch, whereas Fraser, I think, could be a bit more flexible in terms of the role he plays in the in the midfield three would you would you agree with that assessment or would you say they're both because you've 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 studied both of them would you say they're both kind of just mainly number tens
1: no i think i think scott fraser has from the clips i've seen anyway in the matches of the games i've watched and stuff i think that fraser does look a bit better uh a little bit deeper on the Mm. one particularly playing on the left hand side um i think that his best performances um down south came for MK Dons and again and and in his standout season, it was when they were playing a, a formation, which is very similar to the one that Hearts are playing. This night. I think it was like a 5-3-1-1 one, one rather than a 5-3-2. And he was one of the threes mm. and he kind of playing on the outside left. So he's used to having that kind of central attacking midfielder playing ahead of him and having that space to advance into on the left hand side. He's got a brilliant left foot on him and um, his crossing, del- crossing delivery is excellent, particularly When it's just those kind of little dink crosses at the edge of the box rather than, you know, big hoof balls into the far post or whatever. The kind of balls that somebody like Shanklin feeds off of and just absolutely loves it. So I think that, yeah, I I think that they can both conceivably fit into the same starting 11. But I would imagine most weeks it would be a case of one or the other, probably. And in terms of January, again, I agree with you. I think if Harts get Fraser in, I doubt Danda comes in. Um. And then if they do get Fraser in, there's every there's every chance as well. If, if he impresses, if he does well, there's every chance that gets turned into a permanent deal. Wouldn't surprise me.
0: Another big one that's happened over the last week or so, and even more so today with uh, Barry Anderson reporting it, uh, Grail mentions that Cochrane don't want Cochrane to leave, but have always rated Penrice. So the hearts, there's, I think there's a lot of interest in Alex Cochrane, maybe not this window, but certainly probably looking towards summer. Kurt Scorter-Barry have um, open talks with Penrice, uh, who is currently playing with Livingston over a pre-contract agreement. Wouldn't be surprised, or I think there is interest elsewhere in Penrice as well. He is a versatile defender. I think with Levy, he's played left wing, left back and centre mid, but he is mainly a left back. Am I right you said he used to be a player for Park Thistle?
1: Yeah, was, yeah, he came through with Thistle. So I've, I've seen yeah. him a lot, um, spoken to him a few times, interviewed him after games and stuff, stuff like that. I've always been a big fan of James Penrice. Um, oh, good. It was it was always it was unfortunate when he left. Um I think I think he left when we got relegated though, so you can really hold that against him. Like, you know, he was he was good enough to play in the premiership as he's gone to show. Uh at Levy, yeah, he's been kind of in and out of the team, but he's always had that athleticism. He's happy getting up and down the wing. You know, as like you say, he's played it, he's played in the left wing, he's played midfield, he's fairly technical on the ball. Now I don't think either of those are his best position. I think he's a left back or a left wing back. But i don't know if he's quite got the physical frame for it he's quite he's quite slight he's quite skinny but he has a he's got a great delivery on him good cross on him um and yeah like i say he's, he's not shy of getting forward so i think that if you were looking for someone to be and that kind of understudy to Alex cochran even perhaps a long-term replacement for Alex cochran you could do a, you could do a lot worse than Penrice because again he takes a lot of similar sort of boxes and they're not a million miles apart in terms of the kind of the, the style of the play
0: yeah, he always when when Levy signed him, it, it just looked like a very smart smart And Like you said, he's been in and out of the team, but I think over the time at Livingston, his importance has grown, and you can always always notice that he's he's a very tidy footballer, and he's a good profile as well because I think that was something that Hearts fans have been critical of. The the club certainly um, mentioned around the time of the AGM regarding the recruitment is looking within Scotland and signing players who assigning players to impress for other other clubs and this is what i think hearts should always be looking at looking around at who is out of contract at other clubs within the premiership and going right he is a very good player for them can he do a job for us if so then yes because he comes in knows the league so well like you look at pen 25 years old but has played nearly so 200 and he's played i think, around, I think 275 uh 275 matches he's only really just turned 25 as well. Yeah. So, loads of experience. Because, like example, you compare him with Benny. Benny is the same age and has played, uh, I don't think he's even reached 70 first team matches. Uh, so, you just, it kind of just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just the kind of disparity. And Penrose will come in and he's the type of guy that probably will, should hit the, hit the ground running. So, again, it just it falls into the very sensible category, especially look at Cochrane. He is a player. You look around the squad at hearts. Uh, in terms of players who have got good, who are an asset who have got good sell-on value, Cochrane's one of them. He is again versatile. He's um, someone who's came through at Brighton, so he's got a very good uh, grounding. He's a very good footballer physically. He's um, he, he's got good physical profiles, and from what I've uh, kind of um, like speaking to people for the club, he's very very professional. This is a guy who's got his set sight set a site set on returning to, or playing at the highest level possible. So if Hearts can get, if he can if get over 3 million, maybe 4 million for him, that would be an incredible bit of business for this is a guy who's came out on loan, then brought him in. And that's that's kind of the player trading that Hearts should be looking to do.
1: No, definitely. You know, like, obviously nobody wants to see Cockroach leave. He's a, he's a good player and he's yeah, doing yeah. well and all the rest of it. But you're right, when you look around the Hearts squad, he is one of those players like, where you look at and go, heart should be selling him for a few million at some point whether it's you know january summer the end of next season whenever it is at some point along the way harsh should be making money on that guy because like you say he's the right profile um, he's the right age but as well part of part of it as well as particularly if clubs in england are sniffing about is the right nationality in terms mm-hmm. of um squad registration rules and things like that where that does really that that matters a lot you know that, that just by of someone being english that can you know, double someone's price tag instantly. So, be, the idea of getting some serious cash for Alex Cochran one day—it's not totally far fetched at all. I think you're right. Um in terms of race as well, yeah, I think certainly, I think he'd be a, a be really savvy addition. Technically, he's excellent. As um, he's not, technically, he's very good. And then the bonus of when, you, when, you, when he's coming from Livingston as well—you know, you don't spend four or five years at Livingston, whoever it is under David Martindale, if you're not willing to work your arse off, yeah. you know, he, he, he doesn't stand for that. So, you know, I think that's really encouraging. As I, I think he'd be a great player, but certainly on Cochrane, ah, he's he's one of a handful of players when you look around, when you look through that squad. At harsh you go, he could certainly move for some decent money someday because I think I've said this before, but this season, I think there's an argument to me that he's been the best left back in Scotland.
0: That's... Uh, I'm just trying to think, because yeah, you look at... <laughs> But yeah, I think I agree with that because I was going to say, right. Celtic. yeah, yeah, Celtic, like they've had real issues with Greg Taylor. Uh, it's either it's neither Yilmaz or Baris. It should have really held down a place over the course of the, the, the season. Just trying to look who else. Um, Nick Montgomery was bigging up Jordan Arbita, nowhere near Cochrane. Uh, I dean, nah. yeah, I think,
1: yeah, you're spot on. Yep. You're spot I, on. I it, was, it was probably Owen Beck to be fair, but he's oh. done, then, obviously he, he's, he's left now, he doesn't play in the league anymore, doesn't count.
0: He might be coming back though, so but uh I still I think um well, then as the that
1: was Cochrane then. Let him enjoy his moment. He's maybe only got a week or so. I know, he's not
0: <laughs> so yeah, Cochrane, best left back in Scotland. We'll leave it there. Just I'll ask uh, answer just one uh, more question very quickly. Michael Evans asks, What's happened with Devlin, Mackay, and Boyce? When are they expect expected back? So Mackay the last time it seemed was um, towards the end of February, but that's I think that's a very generous assessment when Ace was talking about it. I'm sure yeah, when he was went,
1: to get back in training as well. I'm sure, yeah. I, I think that was like not even doing part of team training. That was just back out on the pitch. Back so out like on the pitch, one, yeah. Because you know. he
0: still had when I was at Rickerton on or Odeon on Friday. I'm sure he still had his knee brace on. So yeah, that's if we see him if we see him middle of March. I think that would be I, uh, that would be that would be good. But you never know if, with with injuries. Devlin has uh, stepped up. I think he was with a view to being back involved towards the end of February. I think he's kind of just uh, stepping up his training and he'll go into full training, I think, in two weeks' time. And then Boyce boom, this this is just one that's just been kind of carrying on. I think he's uh Hart's not been wanting to risk him with his um uh with the with the injury he's got. So yeah, that's um That's the the injury update on those three, but we might find out a bit more later on this week. But that's us. Thank you very much, James. Thank you very much for everyone who is listening, continues to read, continues to subscribe to Heart Standard. We'll be back later on in the week with uh, a video. We'll have one probably Friday, looking ahead to the trip to Dens Park to face Dundee. And then one Wednesday or Thursday, depends on what James and I schedule is, obviously looking probably at the January transfer window with the window shutting at... It's eleven thirty PM on th- Thursday, so yeah, we'll probably be back around sometime those two days to kind of look at look at what's happening in the transfer window. But until then, thank you very much and goodbye.